Welcome to the Matt Morgan Coaching Podcast. The fact that you're listening means you're ready to be inspired and empowered to take your life, love, and leadership to the next level. Hello, my friends. It's Matt Morgan. Welcome back to a brand new episode as we are halfway through the journey of discovering the true you by learning this wonderful ancient modern personality type called the Enneagram. And today we're learning type five, which is called the investigator. And as we go through the investigator, I actually have a special guest and my good friend Jessica Ramos is with us, who is a fellow five. So Jessica, welcome. Thank you, Matt. Good to be here. This should be interesting talking about me. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, you know, most fives don't actually like to be on public communication in any way, shape, or form. So the fact that you are here speaks volumes to you and your willingness to share your heart and your journey. You're a social five, which really definitely helps. But I know every five or people who are related to a five is going to love hearing from you today. Well, good. Hopefully they do. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about you. Well, I'm a mother of four kiddos. We have two grown men in this house, 18 and 19. Me and my husband have been married for about 13 years now and prior Air Force, both of us. So the fact that I'm an investigator is kind of interesting that I chose to join the military and travel the world, but then it goes into my thirst for knowledge or experiences. So that's kind of interesting. But yeah, we're just doing life, living here in Colorado, known you for a few years and it's been a fun journey so far. Awesome. Well, as we get into the type five here, I'm going to start with giving a list of tendencies. And so if you're a five, you can probably start thinking like, okay, is this me? And Jessica, I want you to be able to lean in as well here and then maybe respond with how many of these resonate with you. So here are the tendencies of type five, the investigator. Number one, I can take care of myself and I think others could do the same. (laughs) I don't always say things out loud, but in my head, I'm pretty sarcastic and cynical at times. I feel awkward around other people. I'm okay if people ask me a few specific questions about myself, but I don't like it when people want too much information, which is why it's big to have Jessica being willing to be on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I need time alone. If I want people to know how I feel, I'll tell them, but I generally wish they wouldn't ask. I think thoughts are more reliable than feelings. I need a couple of days to process an experience to know how I feel about something. People are wasteful. I hold on to what I have. Often I find that I would rather observe than participate. I trust myself. That means I think about things for a while and then I make my own decisions. I can't understand why people get together to just hang out. I'm a listener by heart. I have to be careful with my time and energy, and I get tired when I have to be with people for too long. I often felt invisible as a child, and sometimes as an adult, I actually choose to be invisible. Sometimes I think I should be more generous, but it's just hard for me. In groups, being uninformed makes me very uncomfortable, and I don't like big social gatherings. I mean, I'd rather be with a few people. And lastly, material possessions don't necessarily make me happy. So now, Jessica, for you, when you hear that list, what percentage of those descriptions resonate with you and what in particular stand out the most for you personally? Yeah, it's very interesting. Actually, I would have said 50 to 60 percent before, but now I'm kind of going over there and I can resonate with them a little bit more. So, you know, I have to say that it has to do with maybe where you're at emotionally or mentally in the place when you're going over these things, too, because they can all apply or then some of them can't apply. So I'd say about 60% on a solid basis. 
definitely, I believe I can take care of myself. Actually, I know that for a fact. I feel very confident in myself. Maybe not other people agree with my thoughts and opinions, but I think that they're right. But I'm in my head a lot. I don't always say things out loud, but in my head, I'm pretty sarcastic and cynical. Sadly, it's true. And I definitely value my time alone. I can really resonate with that. And I do get tired when I am in big social gatherings. I definitely enjoy that, but then I know I need my space alone. The whole idea, remember guys, is we're going through this journey. Your type does not necessarily define you, but rather it's like where you typically hover over. And so about 60% of the time you say, I hover over these, which we also share other numbers, which we'll unpack here a little bit later, four or five. But I'm curious, tell us about your journey of discovering being a five and how that fiveness impacts your personal relationships today. Sure. Actually, it's kind of funny because my husband found this link at the Enneagram and we took personality tests all the time. We take the Myers-Briggs and we do the five love languages. We just like to kind of learn about each other. So he said, hey, take this test. And I did. And the first time I took it, I came out of three like him. I'm like, that's not me at all. Me and him are a great team, but we're very different. So then I had to take it again. I actually took it about five times, which is kind of embarrassing. But, you know, it goes back to sometimes you're just in a different headspace, maybe. So I had drank a half a ball of wine. I don't know if anyone else is like me. Sometimes I just need to kind of chill out a little bit and kind of really go to the first response that come in instead of overthinking it which goes to say, I'm an overthinker, right? I'm an investigator, so I probably overthink things. So I did finally nail that I'm a five when I did read that. I was like, oh, okay. For the most part, this is me compared to the other ones that I was coming up with. It's been very helpful for me and my husband in our relationship because now I'm kind of like, instead of trying to feel like something's wrong with me, and I do understand how I feel awkward at times where I feel like I'm just always thinking. Now this has kind of given me a lot more, almost freedom to be that and to embrace it. So it's helped our marriage and we've been able to have conversations about things, maybe descriptions behind actions and so forth. You know, in relationships are actually some of the most misunderstood of all the types. You know, their tank empties faster. So people think that they're not having fun because they're sometimes detached or they can come across cold and not connecting. And so oftentimes, you know, the talk style of a five can be presentational. <laughs> you know, fives don't necessarily just like hang out all the time. You're more of a social five, so you can kind of do that. But, you know, oftentimes in a relationship with a five, if you ask them what they feel, they will tell you what they think. <laughs> Would you say that's true of you at all? Oh man, that is so true. I actually just started paying more closely attention to this because I never really realized it before. But yeah, I would almost always start my sentence with, well, I think and blah, blah, blah. It would all be logical. Any emotion would have to be logical or explained or justified. That was kind of a hard thing to kind of come to grips with, actually. But yeah, it's very true. Yeah, for sure. Thinking over feeling. You know, fives have just as much feelings as every other type, but they're just not as connected to them. And so, that feels a little bit less logical and less data-driven. And so they're comfortable in their heads. Yeah. You know, fives also in relationships have thick boundaries. They will build fences. It's like you are not coming into this world. If they don't trust, trust is the biggest issue for a five. And so if they don't trust, they will put up a boundary, you know, the Trump wall. <laughs> It'll be a relational wall. Boundaries are good. Walls are not fives. And so walls are where you block people out from being able to talk to them. Boundaries are like, hey, build a fence, not a wall. Fences are really good because you can still say, hey, I have my space. But, you know, we can talk over that fence. How do boundaries play out in relationships for you? I mean, about 10 years ago, if I was my younger self, I was very probably closed off to people. 
definitely unreachable in a lot of certain circumstances like intimacies or vulnerabilities. So I'm not going to tell you much about my life or really tell you anything until I actually trust you or think that you can actually help me. Or maybe it has a value, like maybe I want to invest in a relationship. So I guess you could say it's calculated on that sense. So that's where the boundaries probably play in. Yeah, I do believe in the fewer the friends, kind of the more I can invest with that. So that goes back to that energy well spent with me. I'm very protective. I'm always the boundary person or the fences is a great illustration. I think as I mature and I become a little bit more trusting of my environment, I definitely flourish a lot better. Yes. Well, as you are journeying through a five, if you're listening, you're like, am I a five or am I married to one? Understand this, especially if you're in a relationship that's romantic to a five. If you're in a relationship with a five that you are dating, you're engaged, or you're married, Understand that for a five to actually say I do and to put their trust in you is probably the biggest credit to you as a person related to a five because it is not easy for a five to trust because they trust themselves. So we talked about the tendencies, but the core motivation, that's how you really discover your type. And the core motivation for a five is independence. <laughs> so you can see how trust and allowing someone else into their marriage is bigger than you know. And it's such a big deal. And so you need to know if you're related to a five, if you're connected to a five in a romantic relationship, how big that is for the five to choose to trust you. Trust is the currency of relationship. You know, people are like bank accounts. Every time you do something smart and beautiful, it adds a trust deposit into that account. Every time you do something stupid, it makes a withdrawal. And fives are data driven. And so they are keeping data over time to be able to see like, oh wow, you're a person worthy of trust. So that's how it works for a five within relationships. Fives don't necessarily like to be sucked into your relational drama. <laughs> they can come across cold, but actually they'll be very supportive. They'll listen really well, but they just don't want to be made responsible for your feelings. You need to own your own. <laughs> True. They do that for themselves and they expect you to do that for yourself as well. So they don't like to get sucked into that relational drama. So other things about fives, they prefer to observe rather than just participate and jump in. And so they can appear sometimes to be loners. And so they can strike people as emotionally distant and maybe sometimes intellectually arrogant, but that's not their heart. And when they observe, you know, they do so not from a passive place. They're actually very active observing. Like if you have a problem and you need to figure something out, go to a five because the five has a gift of being objective and neutral. I mean, they're like Switzerland. <laughs> I mean, if you have a hard time, you know, with emotions getting in the way of big decisions, ask a five because what they'll do is they'll research it. They'll be neutral in responding and they will react and respond to what's best. Now, here's the deal. Nines are able to see both sides of a situation and so are fives. But the difference is a five is not worried about causing conflict like a nine. They'll just shoot straight. <laughs> Find that's true of you. You just kind of tell it like it is. I definitely do. Yeah. And it's funny because my husband goes to the nine. So he sits there and tries to be diplomatic when we're dealing with maybe a situation that needs a little bit more of a firm one stance. And sometimes I just have to chime in, take over, because he does try to be that peacemaker. So that's really interesting that that example is played out on here as well as in our relationship. Yeah, for sure. 
conversation, fives are really good listeners, but they often change the subject away from themselves and onto you. It's like, it's okay for you to ask me a few questions, but don't ask me a ton. So fives will just continue to ask about you, which people love to talk about themselves. Uh, So people are like, man, I really like the fives. Fives are introverted, they're analytical. And so that's kind of the way they interact. That's relationships. But talk about childhood, like any examples of where you started to see your fiveness develop through childhood? Yeah, definitely. I was very much a quiet person, a quiet child. I actually related to that, that I felt like I could figure things out on my own hands-on learner. So I would go through maybe figuring out how to cook something. I would just start doing it rather than trying to read up about it. I'm a hands-on learner. So that's a little bit different for me. I don't feel like I read and read and read. I just actually teach myself things. I felt very much alone as a child. So I was always in my head. I remember constantly being almost chastised on my stepdad. He would discipline me like, you're so preoccupied all the time. What are you thinking about? And to me, I'm thinking, that was just the normal way of living, you know, thinking about things, maybe even picturing the future. So I definitely remember being preoccupied all the time, which is constantly in my head. And then also, I don't recall asking for help a lot. I felt very much like I was the older child. So I had to figure things out for myself and make it happen. And Hmm. yeah, I felt very like I could take care of myself. I did have to kind of detach myself from pain of the childhood that I did experience. And even knowing my mom was emotionally distant. So that definitely qualified me to go into my head. That's kind of, I can definitely relate to the five with the characteristics of the thinkers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the six and the seven, the five is in the head triad. And so they think before they have emotions. And so they can really go into their head. And oftentimes from a childhood, again, all of our types are coping mechanisms. Our personality comes from the Greek word persona, which means mask. Okay. And so oftentimes the way we cope is like if you have a parent that is overbearing or in your case, emotionally distant, that's usually the thing that's like, okay, I'm just going to like go within my own world and do that. And I'll be quiet and self-contained and I'll just get comfortably being alone. And so oftentimes five as children, they have far more going on in their head than they tell people. On the playground, parents, if you have a five child and they are observing and hanging out in the playground, but they're not actually participating, that doesn't mean that they're passive in observation. They are very active and across the board of like, should I exert myself into this situation or not? They're figuring out the data of the situation. And so many fives, they have mixed feelings about school. You know, on one hand, they're usually pretty smart. They make good grades, but the social demands can be challenging to accommodate. Did you experience any of that growing up? Yeah, absolutely. I felt socially awkward so much, but I also felt very much fine being myself and being in my own head, which I didn't really recognize at the time. But I always had the sense of the security with myself, but also felt like, I'm not a part of this group. I'm not a part of this system. But for the most part, I mean, there was times where it kind of maybe did hurt me and cause some insecurities. But for the most part, I just embraced it. I was kind of like, it is what it is. And it was my reality. So, but yeah, I come from a big family too. I have plenty of siblings and I still feel a little uh, like I don't fit in most of the time. So 
Yeah, that is a very common feeling for a five. And there's some wounding messages that we pick up as children. And it's usually around competency and connection. So like maybe for a child, it's like they feel like people are telling them you're not capable enough of handling the demands of life and relationships. So to survive, you'll need to emotionally detach and hide. Yeah, I can relate to that a lot. That's kind of the sadder part, but part of the learning part and embracing who you are. So Mm-hmm. What do you love about being a five? What's good about it? You know, I think fives do have a bad rep. I was listening to a lot of uh, other videos and it makes us sound like we're just so cold, detached, and we're always thinking and we have to know everything, which is not really me, but I do like to be prepared and I really like to help others. So I love being that. I love being able to kind of observe and collect and watch people and learn about things and learn about people. And then I feel like I'm qualified or able to help them better. So that's what I love about me personally. I just love people and I love to try to fix situations maybe or to solve problems. So I think that personality bit where I'm just gathering and collecting information and just watching people and observing people's emotions and feelings. And I could see when they're hurting or when they're needing something. Hmm. That's something I enjoy. That's so good. You know, one of the things that I love about fives that are healthy is they have a long view of things and they really have an appropriate balance between participation and observation. And so they're able to engage socially with people comfortably and demonstrate true neutrality in a given topic, which is so beautiful in a world of opinionated people on social media, ripping other people who have a different view of them. (laughs) The five doesn't play that game. And that's really refreshing. And so usually fives have a depth and knowledge several areas of their lives. And healthy fives, they're willing to share those findings with other people, which is so beautiful. And also, one of the things I love about healthy fives is they live in a world of abundance and they see themselves as part of a whole environment instead of separate from everyone else and everything else. And so that's some great things about a healthy five. But like all types, there's shadow sides, you know, parts of us that are growth areas. And the deadly sin of a five is called avarice, which is not a word that many of us use, but really it means greed. And not greed in the sense necessarily of like hoarding all of your possessions necessarily, although it can be, but really it's about feeling like you don't have enough emotional demand so you hoard the bare essentials of life like time and energy and physical space and solitude and privacy and maybe the knowledge and information as well. So for you, what would you say is maybe your shadow side of your growth area in your own life as a five? No, definitely selfish at times. Discontent is how it's kind of played out. I know that I can't always find positive things to find during the day, so I kind of tend to focus on maybe negative or things that maybe could be better. And that's played out as a form of discontentment. Yeah. I think that's a shadow side for me. For sure. And for other of you who are fives, you know, you got to realize that oftentimes you collect data, not because you just think it's awesome, although you do. You collect data because you don't want to feel incapable or inept because that's your core fear, which is what you believe you are deep down. And so needless to say, the best and worst things that have ever happened to a five is the advent of the internet. (laughs) 
because fives can actually get down into a rabbit hole of information. And fives, they value autonomy. So not having to depend on others to take care of themselves, you know, is a big deal because the idea of losing their independence terrifies them. And so what other numbers find in relationships for comfort and support, fives go to knowledge and observation as their comfort and support. So that's some of the growth areas for a five. You know, unhealthy fives, they just put up that Trump wall. They do not let people in. They only depend on themselves. They separate and detach themselves from social settings. They demand privacy. They really hold on to a scarcity mentality. That's that avarice hoarding mentality. And so they end up just substituting thinking for feelings and they don't even know how to go to feelings. And they just struggle so much with anything that makes them feel incompetent or incapable because that's their core fear. And we all have core fears. We're not doing this to mudsling again. We're doing this to have awareness because awareness is half the battle, guys. So Jessica, I'm curious for you, tell us about what you do for for work and how your five expresses itself at work? Um, in the workplace, I guess I need to know a lot of stuff where I get started on a project. For example, I teach CPR classes and I felt so uncomfortable just winging it. Definitely, I agree that I need to feel prepared. I need to feel knowledgeable in case I get asked questions. I do find myself kind of thinking about the what ifs and wanting to have some of those what ifs answered lined up in case which is kind of awkward because spending your time in unnecessary ways. Again, it goes back to make sure I feel informed on something, gather the information before we action and and I can see it through. I can fix things as we go. Really important for me to feel powerful in charge and like no one's withholding information from me. Well said. That is a five to a T. Regardless of your success or intelligence scale, fives listening, what fives need most is predictability. They need to know what to expect and that helps them not run out of gas emotionally. So that's why you're doing all that data. And so oftentimes in the workplace, fives are actually valued for their cool, clear, analytical minds. Bill Gates He's a five. <laughs> Fives can be amazing inventors, thinkers. Not every five is a Nobel Prize winner, okay? But many choose the path of being engineers, researchers, professors, computer programmers, psychologists. Man, they make great EMTs, which is so great. You know, it's like, what do you teach? CPR, right? It's like, how do you be cool and calm and collective when there's a stressful situation? Fives do that better than anybody. They make great ER doctors because they're masters at staying calm and observing well in a quick moment, gathering a bunch of data really quickly. And so they can make magnificent artists as well. And usually in a workplace, fives don't like meetings. <laughs> I agree. I think they're a waste of time sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and so where are we going with it and is it going to accomplish that goal? That's exactly right. If there is a meeting, they want to know what to expect. <laughs> So if you're discovering a five and maybe you're a 20 something and you're in college listening to this or something, and you're like, man, what should I do for work? Those are some great examples that I just gave of what could be really beneficial for your natural bend and do really well. Now, having said that, like all numbers, fives go to a wing and they are either a four or a six, which is the loyalist. And we'll learn more about the six next week. But for you, where does your wing number express itself? Yeah, it definitely goes to the wing six for the loyalist. Yeah. I guess that's always about a social part of me. Yeah, sixes can be very social, very committed to relationships. They also have some anxiety sometimes. They want to make sure, like a five, that predictability is very good. 
And so I definitely see your six come out. Now, on top of that, you know, you guys can read books and go deeper into this stuff. But fives, like all numbers, go to a specific number in stress as well as in security. And for a five, in stress, they go to a seven, which is the enthusiast. The deadly sin of the enthusiast is gluttony. And so like a five, when they're stressed out, they will hoard and focus almost solely on themselves and can become disorganized. They can live so much in their heads that they don't even think about the consequences of the behavior, which can cause them to actually be rude, not complete tasks. So that's in stress. And then in security, they go to the eight, which is a huge move. If you remember the eight, that's the challenger, okay? Now, when a five goes to an eight in security, when you're feeling just safe and secure, they become infinitely more spontaneous, open, emotionally present. They participate. I mean, the difference is so striking that people often ask a five, what's gotten into her? <laughs> She's so energetic and confident and talkative, which Jessica, for you, so much of that social aspect, you look a lot more like an eight because you're more healthy in that. But how do you see those two numbers play out for you in stress and insecurity? Yeah, definitely. I can see both of those play out for sure. The seven, I would say I definitely remove myself from friends and social activities and conversations. And if I do interact with anyone in that time, I know I'm very hard to understand or relate to. I probably do come off very rude, very cutting. Almost those sarcastic, cynical comments that are going on in my head, they come out a lot more when I'm in that stress situation. Yeah. So I know I hurt family. I hurt my kiddos and my husband a lot in those stress moments. I'm a little bit more contained with other people. Again, I kind of keep myself a lot more contained when I'm around strangers, but when I'm at home and I'm stressed, definitely a lot more in my head and I just say things that are cool. And then as far as the eight, certainly in a workplace environment, I thrive, especially if I'm prepared, experienced, equipped, then I can see that big in those environments. Yeah. Now me and my husband will get to some comfortable parts of our relationship and I'll challenge things that he's saying and I'll definitely charge at situations, meet strangers, be very outing. Yeah, just don't really think too much. Just go and let me be me. Hmm. When you served in the Air Force, and thank you for your service, by the way, what was your position in the Air Force? Uh, it's actually the plan management, which is the logistics behind all the operations, all the missions, making sure that everything is happening or able to happen. Yeah, a, a perfect role for a five, logistics. That's awesome. Um, well, how about this? If there was one thing that you would like other types or other numbers to know about fives, what would it be? You know, honestly, you said something that really kind of hit my heart and made me feel pretty good about who I was, I guess, on my wall and my tuxerior. And that is in a relationship. That's a big step. So even though that person feels detached, kind of coldish, don't talk about their feelings all the time, that's actually a valuable thing. So they really save it, think about things they don't want to, I guess, be too needy to do. They want to actually do good by being independent. It's not like a selfish thing. Like you don't have to take care of them all. Mm. So it's a good thing. I would also say that even though I do have a lot of emotions and I'm not always very good at trusting them, again, that's just me taking that time and yeah. really think about it. So using wisdom and collecting information is valuable to me. And I think that, that would be valuable to others if you can look through the awkwardness that we showed during those times. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Well, 
as we close out here, on behalf of every five who says, okay, I've listened to this, give me some data and some handles that I can hold on to to grow. Well, here, I want to give you 10 next steps for fives to be able to grow healthy. Number one, allow your feelings to come naturally and experience them in the moment, okay? And then you can let them go. Fives typically try to let them go immediately and just go to their head. So try to be in tune with them. Number two, recognize when you're coming to a scarcity mentality and love and emotions and thoughts and possessions. Recognition is half the battle to be able to grow. Number three, when something occurs that seems to elicit emotions in other people, try to feel with them rather than saving those feelings to just process later, okay? You will connect relationally with other people and it'll be beautiful for you and them. Number four, try to share more about your life with others, okay? Trust, again, is the biggest issue. And so if there's one or two people that you can just allow those fences to open the gate and allow someone in to say, hey, I trust that you won't misuse that information. Maybe take a step in that and invite other people into your story. Number five, venture out of your comfort zone and share more of who you are and what you have to offer for other people. Number six, try to remember you don't have to have the answers for everything, fives. You're smart, but you won't look foolish, okay? You're just gonna look human. (laughs) If you screw up, it's okay. Number seven, call a friend and offer to hang out for no reason at all. other than just to enjoy each other's company. Number eight, allow yourself some experiential and material luxuries. Maybe take a trip, go on vacation, you know, enjoy life. Maybe for you, number nine, take up yoga or some other activity that will connect you with your body. And this will be very life-changing for you as you're connecting your emotional, physical, spiritual, and mental life. We're so into our head, but there's other facets of your world that I want you to connect to. And it'll be beautiful for you. And then lastly, number 10, if when you are unsure of yourself, just jump into a conversation rather than withdrawing from it and see what happens. Realize again that five does not have to define you or any type. You're bigger than a type or a number. So these are some great ways to mature and grow. And Jessica, I have personally watched you do that firsthand. And I'm so proud of you. And I'm so honored that you've been a part of today's podcast. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Matt. It's been a great experience. And I really love the Instagram and just learning about ourselves and others to where we thrive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, for those of you who are wanting more information and you have questions about the Enneagram or anything else, simply go to mattmorgan.com. Click on the contact us page. You got questions. We got answers there. That's it for today. And next week, we're going to be hitting Enneagram type six. Cheers for now. Thanks for listening to the Matt Morgan Coaching Podcast. Subscribe below, share it with your friends, and if you want to take your life, love, or leadership to the next level, check us out online at mattmorgan.com.